We thank you, Father, for this presence in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. This may be something that is new to a lot of you or somebody, perhaps you tune online today for the first time and you're like, that was different. That's good. It's not about us. And I want to remind you this morning that church is not for you. Church is not for me. Church is for God. And unfortunately, across the globe, we've made church an experience for people. And if we can't give the experience, we cancel. But it's not about an experience. It's about an encounter with the presence of God. And there's things that only God can do. 
that doesn't matter how many books we read or how many self-helps or Tony Robbins seminars or whatever we go to, only the presence of God can change. And it's the reason why we exist as a church, as a body. It's the vision of our church. We exist to get people to a place where they acknowledge, trust, and lean on God daily. Worship team, thanks for jumping into your awesome in this place, mighty God. See, what you don't know, because there's different things, but that was one of the songs that we worshiped to for a long time on Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. prayer this week. Just you are awesome in this place. I sang that song for about 20 minutes walking around my neighborhood on Friday morning. Just you are awesome. People walk, driving down the road must have thought I was bananas because I was walking, raising my hands and singing to Jesus. And I do want to honor the worship team. Thank you. That, not one song that was done today was part of the set list for today. But the presence of God fell while we were praying for service. As a matter of fact, some of you walked in before service had started and we were already worshiping because the presence of God fell before the start of service. So because it's not about us, we don't stop to get into a set list. Because it's for God, you keep going in the presence of God and you follow the presence. And we need to live our life like Moses did. God, if you don't go, I don't go. Do you want me in this place, God? Yes, I'll go. As a matter of fact, that brings a freedom to your life that you have no idea. And because you know you're supposed to, you are where you're supposed to be, the fear of everything that goes along with being in a certain place leaves. Because you know God told you to be there. It's hot. No, 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 that's fine. I can only preach with this sweater like once a year. So, but it's really hot in this place. God is so good. This morning as I was driving to church, I, I sent a text to a bunch of pastor friends of mine as a joke. I was going to send it to the church and do like an Instagram live, but I was like, some people might get offended and I don't want them to be offended. So I'm going to try not to offend them. But I, I sent a text to a bunch of my pastor friends. I drove the roads. There's no ice. It's okay to go to church. <laughs> you know, it, it was chilly this morning. <laughs> It was, it was 40 degrees when I walked out of my house. Now, I'm a Miami boy born and raised through and through. So if it's under 70, I'm wearing sweaters and like two pairs of socks sometimes, you know? Now, now you, you New York boys, that's how, this is a different ball game, right? But I, I, I don't have that blood in me. I got the blood of Jesus, but that's different, amen? So we've been in this series that's called Happy. And if you remember, we started the series posing a question or uh, talking about a futile phrase, in my opinion, that phrase, I just want to be happy. Or when we tell somebody, I just want you to be happy. And, and I said, I made a statement when we started the series that, that, that I wholeheartedly believe that just blanket statement, I want to be happy. It's like having a car full of gas, but nowhere to go. <laughs> no map to get to a destination. Because what does it even mean to be happy? 
But the good thing is that Jesus has answered that, and he answered it in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes, right? And what are the Beatitudes? The word Beatitude, it's not used, I mean, think about it for a second. Have you ever used the word Beatitude in any context in the English language other than Matthew chapter 5? We don't use it. As a matter of fact, if you look up, Google search it. Don't do it right now because you might get distracted, see an email that throws you off. Just, just don't go right now. But if you Google search it later and you do the word beatitude, you will see that the dictionary definition is what Jesus talked about. It's basically the definition, a religious thing. And so what does the word beatitude mean? It means it's the word mykarios, and it means supremely blessed or happy, which is why we call this series happy. And it's the attributes of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means, the happiness of it. They describe our character, or should describe our character, better said. And what is it there in Matthew chapter 5? We can read through them a little bit where we've been, and we're going to continue, and we're finishing this series off today. But go to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus starts talking Seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. He was seated on his, and his disciples came. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, if you remember, we talked about the fact that poor in spirit means someone who is in a state of spiritual bankruptcy, recognizing that you are poor in your spirit. You cannot get to God without Jesus. He says, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, this isn't a mourning of like I'm mourning a loss. This is the weight that we experience when we repent, truly repent, right? Like we talked about the fact that there's repentance and there's true repentance. There's I'm sorry, and then there is feeling the weight and the, the, the heaviness with what we did. And that's what that mourning is. And Jesus said, you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. And if you remember, meekness is not weakness. It is strength under perfect control. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's what we've covered it to this point. You can listen to the previous preachings online. But then we get to verse number nine and it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So what does the word peacemaker mean? Man, it's very, very complex. A peacemaker is the person who brings peace. Have you ever overcomplicated a definition? <laughs> a peacemaker is the person who brings peace. And Jesus says that the person who brings peace shall be called a son of God. Why are they called the son of God? Because they are following suit after their father. I have mannerisms of my father. And even though my parents were divorced when I was little, and I've always had an amazing relationship with my dad, and he serves here at the church, and my mom's here at the church, and so is my stepmom, my second mom, or, or whatnot, right? Like we're, we're, it's, it's, all, it's all good. I didn't grow up next to him every single day, but I have so many mannerisms that they just came innately. Like, for example, if you ever see me really going hard at my ear, I am exhausted and about to fall asleep. And Abigail does the same exact thing. It is something in our DNA. And so our heavenly father, watch now. He is known as the God of peace. Judges chapter 6, the story of Gideon, it says that Gideon, when he sees what God does, builds an altar to the Lord and calls it Jehovah Shalom. 
Yahweh Shalom, God of peace. Romans chapter 15, verse 33 says, and the God of peace shall fill or be with you all. The God of peace. So our heavenly father is the supreme peacemaker. And what does Genesis say? That he made us in his image and likeness. So if we are made in the image and likeness of God, we are also to be a peacemaker. Being the one who comes and tries to bring peace. Is it easy? Heck no. It's not easy. But look at what Romans chapter 12 says. Go to Romans chapter 12. Read the whole chapter later, but I'm going to start reading in verse 18. Romans chapter 12. Look at what it says, if I get there in a minute. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Watch, uh, if, you, if you like English, there's, there's this thing called an appositive. And a positive is a phrase that brings clarity to the sentence, and it goes in between two commas. And that's what we see there, right? The sentence could read, if it is possible, live peaceably with all men. But, 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 but Paul didn't just write it that way. He said, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. He continues to write this. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, don't try to do it yourself. Let God take care of you. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Oh, that hurts. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil or by evil, but overcome evil with good. Go back to verse, nine, verse number 18. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So I wrote it down this way. I want you to jot it down. Lack of peace should not be because of us. It shouldn't be on us. We need to do everything in our power. The person might make the choice to never talk to us again, but it's not my fault. My hands are clean. Unfortunately, I have people in my life that have decided to never speak to me again. Some perhaps for something I did, but they have not even allowed me to apologize. Some not because of anything I did. They just decided not to talk to me anymore and answer my phone calls and text messages or whatever the case might be. And so I'll try for a certain amount of time and be like, all right, Lord, I did my part. Now it's on them. What does the Bible tell us? It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. This whole thing in marriages where they get upset and the husband says, I'm going to go sleep on the couch. Nope. That don't fly. You work it out or you don't sleep, but you work it out. And if one of the couple says, I'm going to go sleep in another room, you, know what? you want to tell me my recommendation? Grab a pillow and follow them. <laughs> You're going to the couch? Me too. <laughs> I'm on my way. I love Pastor Larry Stocks, though. He always says that he would tell his wife, if you ever leave me, no, I'm going with you.
Whenever at all possible, live peaceably. Some people choose to hold on to grudges. Some people choose to live in that way. Some people choose to stay in their own condition. It doesn't need to be that way. You can change it. So who here has heard of Alfred Nobel? Anybody heard of Alfred Nobel? Come on, Nobel Peace Prize. Anybody heard of Nobel Peace Prize, right? He was a famous entrepreneur, famous inventor. Do you know that he invented dynamite? So they used to use another product that was less stable. The name escapes me right now. Nitroglycerin. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me. They used to use nitroglycerin, which is not stable. His younger brother died in an, ex in, in, in an explosion. And so he said, I need to come up with a better way. So he, he, he got and he started this new company and out in the middle of nowhere to be able to do research. And he was able to develop dynamite, which became a very stable explosive. And he created this for the reason of it being stable and not have accidents that people would accidentally blow themselves up. And he created it so that the people who did mining in the mining industry wouldn't have as many accidents and die. And so that the people that were preparing roads could blow up the rocks and the different things and build the roads. But what happened? People started using dynamite in warfare. And so in 1888, one of his other brothers dies. And the newspaper messed up and printed his obituary. And the title was, The Father of Death Has Died. The man who invented explosives for war. And he read that and he said, what is my legacy? He didn't stay there. He actually went and he went to an attorney and he filed a new will and testament donating millions and millions and millions of dollars to the Nobel Peace Prize. And when you hear Alfred Nobel right now, what you really think of is the Nobel Peace Prize. Some of you were shocked if you had seen your faces when I said he invented dynamite. He knew he had to change the legacy. And some of us, we like fighting, right? We like confrontation. It makes us get up in the morning. <laughs> some of you are like, oh, I don't like confrontation. There are people that do though, man. But that's not the attribute of our God that we need to replicate. We need to be known as peacemakers because he's a supreme peacemaker. Can I tell you how much God honors and values peace? He wanted to have peace with you so bad, he sent his son to die to give you access. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. God wants so much to have peace with you and you and you and you. Online campus, he wants to have peace with you that he sent his son to pay the price and tear the veil so that we would all have access and be able to be at peace with him. But then our flesh wants to stay where we were. I love my wife. And one of the things I love the most about her is that like me, she does not care what people think. If you didn't know this about myself and my wife, we don't care what you think about us. 
it doesn't make me lose any sleep. You can think I'm ugly, you can think I'm cool, you can think I'm good looking, you can think I'm fat, you can think I'm skinny, you can think I suck as a pastor. I don't care what you think about me. I need to live a life that honors God. And so somebody recently told her at work, I wish I could be more like you. Like, you don't care what people think. You, you say and you, you just say the things. And she looked at the person and says, yep. She said, I, I took a little pride in this one. She said, my husband has trained me very well not to care what people think about us. <laughs> but then she followed it with this statement. I don't need to be here. The only reason I'm here is because God told me to be here. Oh, that brings such a freedom to your life. When you understand that you're in the place God told you to be. Oh. It brings freedom. Because it's no longer about self. See, when you're thinking about you and you're thinking about me and how I'm going to look and what people are going to think, you stop honoring and doing what God wants. We need to live for God. We need to honor God. <laughs> it actually leads us to the next one. Go to verse number 10. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Persecuted for righteousness sake. This is the only one that Jesus then even like gives it two more verses of explanation, okay? Because he wanted us to truly understand it. He said, blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile, reproach, and persecute you in all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. Now, persecution, what does it mean to persecute somebody? It's to separate, to, to come against, to put a weight on. Now, I want to make sure that you understand that true persecution does happen in this world till today. What we experience in this country as persecution is not what our brothers and sisters of the faith are experiencing in other countries where if you profess Jesus, your head is chopped off. That happens today in 2022. You want to read about it? Go to voiceforthemartyrs.com. It's happened in our country. I mean, I can think of Rachel Scott in Columbine, 20 some odd years ago when the Columbine massacre took place where the gentleman with the, with the gun literally looked at her and said, deny Jesus. Do you believe in God? And she said, I believe in God. And he shot her. Yet we take, when somebody says, oh, no, 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 don't talk about religion and politics. We're like, oh, no, no, I got to stay quiet. We look like Homer Simpson going into the grass in the back. <laughs> I knew you would like that one, Javi. But what does persecution look like for us? You know when they didn't invite you to that birthday party? And you asked yourself, but what did I do? See, you lived like Jesus, so they didn't want the light of Jesus in the darkness that was going to happen there. I've been dealing with this for a long time in my life. 
I didn't get a lot of invitations. I went to a Christian school. I didn't go to almost anybody's house the entire time. I was never invited to places. And that's okay. No issue with it. Because I was living to honor God. No skin off my back. But what happens, we think so much of self, but they're doing this and now I look bad and they're lying about me. And I, they lied about Jesus too, Bubble. Like, 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 think about the fact that when Jesus was arrested, they looked for people to say things about Jesus falsely to be able to accuse him. Do you remember the guy named Daniel who they threw into the lion's den? They made a law to be able to make him look bad and throw him in the lion's den. Go read the story. They didn't like Daniel because he honored God and he prospered in everything he did. So the guys went to the king and were like, hey, you know, we got a good idea. Why don't we make this law that you can't worship anybody but you for 30 days? Doesn't that sound so itchy and good to your ears, Darius? And he's like, that sounds great. Sign it into law. Very next morning, there's Daniel opening the curtains, worshiping. So they come and they say, hey, Darius, you know that guy, Daniel, he's not honoring what you said. And instantly, Darius knew they had hooked him. And he throws Daniel in the lion's den. But God, <laughs> but God closed the mouth of the lions. And then to prove to us that these weren't lions that were so full that they were just kitty cats that they could lay down with. When they take Daniel out and they throw the bad guys in that had done this, the Bible says that the lions killed them before they hit the ground. So it wasn't like these lions were fasting and not hungry or whatever or full and they were like, no, no, no. Like today I don't want to eat human beings. <laughs> How do I come up with this stuff? It was God. So you know who's going to close the mouth of the person lying about you? God. You know who's going to defend you? God. You know who's got your back? God. You ever seen Beethoven? I love Beethoven. I know I'm old. Some of you have never seen Beethoven. It's a movie about a dog. Big, big St. Bernard. And in Beethoven 1, there's like five of them, but in Beethoven 1, there's a scene where the boy, the scrawny kid, he finally faces like his bullies. And they're all coming and telling him stuff. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I'm gonna, whatever. And the bullies turn around and they, they get freaked out and they run away. And he's like, I'm all good. <laughs> well, he didn't know that Beethoven was sitting right behind him like, I'm ready to go, you know? And he wasn't a little chihuahua that was barking. You know, a little chihuahua was barking, but he ain't do much. No, no, he was a big old St. Bernard. That's who's behind you, people. Understand, when they vilify you, when they reproach you, when they persecute you, when they talk bad about you, when they try to put you down, when they do everything, they're not doing it to you, they're doing it to God. And that should actually bring you joy. Now, it's a reprogramming of the mindset. Samuel gave up his entire life. Your namesake, Sam. Gave up his entire life for God. His mom couldn't have children, and her prayer was, Lord, if you open my womb, I will give him to you. That was her prayer. She was praying it so earnestly and just 
talking to the Lord that the priest, Eli, who had kind of departed a little bit from God, when you read the story, didn't even realize she was praying and came up to her and said, woman, why are you drunk? And she looked and said, I'm not drunk. It's morning time. I'm just hurting and I'm praying. I'm giving it to God. And so God gives her Samuel and she, 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 she nurses him and then she takes him to the temple and says, God, he is yours. So he gave his entire life to the service of God didn't cheat people, didn't do anything. And you know what happened at the end of his life? The people of Israel came and said, we don't want you anymore. We want a king. Oh man, that must have sucked royally. So Samuel went to God. These people, like they're, 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 these people wouldn't. And God looked at Samuel and said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Church, we need to understand when the world is rejecting you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And then I hear these lies of people that say, oh man, when I start doing things for God, all these attacks come. That's a good thing. Because it means you're starting to do right. I mean, come on, did you, have you ever stopped eating something because it was bad for you and you had to lose the weight? It may hurt a little bit, but it's a good hurt. Right? Come on, where are my bodybuilders and, and, and workout people? I don't work out. There's a, there's a good pain and a bad pain, right, Isa? So, so, so when, you, when you work out, there is a good pain. And the pain that we feel from persecution from people is the pain that says, I'm getting closer to God. And that's a good pain. So that's why we can be happy. Because we understand that we're being persecuted for being loyal to righteousness. If you remember what righteousness means, it is... The condition of being close to God. And what is the persecution? It's because we're pursuing being close to God. So we're not seeking persecution, but the fact that we're seeking getting closer to God and righteousness, persecution comes. And it's okay. So we're going to end this series the same way we started. How do we find true happiness? Is it just the, I want to be happy? And if you look at me and you say, how do I be happy? How is it that I'm happy? Can I tell you, church, we are happy when our character reflects our citizenship of heaven. That's when we're happy. I was talking, there was somebody here coming to our Spanish service, and he's from New York originally, and he was talking, and somebody says, you're from New York, aren't you? He's like, yeah, I am. He's like, how do you know? He's like, your accent. It gave it away. You know how one of the ways that you know I'm Cuban? Dude, every special meal has pork. Ain't no turkey at Thanksgiving. Bro, you're a turkey if you eat a turkey. I want pork. Because I'm Cuban. White rice, black beans, pork. It gives off my Cubanity. Is that even a word? Mi Cubanania. Cubanania. Church, worship team, come to the altar.
We are happy when our character reflects our heavenly citizenship. We have strength, but under control, we're meek. We're hungry and we're thirsty, but it's to be acceptable to God. We've recognized, I ain't nothing. I can't get to God. We receive and we hurt when we acknowledge our sin, the weight of repentance. We're merciful. We don't just feel compassion. We put it into action. We strive for a heart that is leaning after God so it's pure, pure intentions, pure motives. We're trying to bring peace in every situation. And when people talk about us, we're joyful and full of the Holy Ghost. Can I, can I give you one more verse? Go to, go to Acts chapter uh, 12, verse 50. Acts 12, 50. 13, 50, sorry. Acts 13, 50. But the Jews stirred up with devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. Just, let, let that sink in for a second. This passage in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, they had gone and people were getting saved in the synagogue. They were giving their life to Jesus. So what did some of the Jews do? They found people. They instigated people to the point that they kicked them out. And then you go to verse 52, and it says that they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We're joyful. We're happy. Why? There's something different about us. I mean, we live in the greatest country in the world. Have you ever seen the legitimate, pure joy when somebody becomes a U.S. citizen? Some of you came here from another country. And that day when you were able to say, this is now my home, there is a joy that filled. And can I tell you, it matches nothing compared to the joy when we become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And the character and attributes of that citizenship start to become evident in each and every one of us. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet this morning. As we begin to worship, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads because I cannot get close service without giving you an opportunity to become a citizen of the kingdom. Listen, you may be here illegally, but we're not sending you back. We're giving you opportunity for heavenly citizenship. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, and it says that if you confess that belief, you shall be saved. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not complex. You don't even have to take a test. It's belief and declaring it. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and everybody online, you as well, if today you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Church, you can pray with them. And perhaps today you had walked away and today you want to get right with God. Just declare this prayer and say, God, I'm a sinner. On my own, I can't get to you. 
But I believe Jesus is your son. He came to earth, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the grave to pay the price for my sin. For me to be able to be at peace with you. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my life. Write my name in the book of life. And from now on, God, I'm yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name. If you did that today for the first time, I believe what the Bible says is true. You just gained a new citizenship. And it's to heaven. And the joy in your life will be unshakable. And things will begin to change as you pursue him more and more. And you will see that happiness and that joy fulfilled. Come on, let's just worship him for another minute before we close out.